Good afternoon again, everybody. Hope you enjoyed lunch. My name is Glenn Parkinson, the president of Canadian Club Toronto and your host this afternoon. All right, appreciate that. That doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. <laughs> um, a warm welcome to our guests joining online at canadianclub.org. And I'd also like to welcome a few other dignitaries who've joined us over the course of lunch. We can welcome with honor, uh, Senator Paulette Sr. Um, thank you, yep. And then we're lucky enough to have three additional councillors, and I'll, and I'll go through each of them. Councillor Alejandra Bravo, Ward 9. Yep. Councillor John Burnside from Ward 16. And Councillor Parthi Candevel, Ward 20. So thank you for joining us. And if any other councillors join throughout the speech, please come see me and I'll introduce you at the end. Now, just before we get started, I'd also like to recognize the generosity of our, of our sponsors. And they make it possible for us to put on these timely and relevant events and do so in a way that not only brings us together at the lunch table, but also makes them freely available online. So for today's event, I'd like to call out uh, Crestview Strategy, who um, is supporting our mission with today's event. Thank you. Let me also thank our seasoned sponsor, Canadian Bankers Association, as well as our official airline partner, Air Canada. Finally, Canada's Forest Trust has partnered with us again this season, um, and they've been planting and sustaining smart forests to help offset the carbon impact of our seasons year after year, and we thank them for their generosity and support. Canadian Club Toronto regularly invites young leaders to join our events, and today we welcome students from the University of Toronto's political science program. And, you know, you can, one thing you can count on the students' tables for are great questions. And the rest of us might want to start thinking now of questions you might have for Her Worship. You might have heard that there's a budget coming up. Maybe you've got questions on housing or transit. But whatever the question, there are question cards in the center of your table, so please make use of them. Write your question down and hold it up, and we'll bring them up to our moderator. And for those of you joining remotely, there's a button on the right-hand side of the screen that says click to submit question. Use that, and through a similar mechanism, we'll bring the question right into the discussion. Now I'm pleased to introduce our guest speaker. Olivia Chow has served the people of Toronto for over three decades. Born in Hong Kong, in 1957, she immigrated to Toronto with her parents at the age of 13. After extensive schooling, she began teaching English as a second language and was elected to a board as a school board trustee in 1985. Six years later, she was elected mayor of the former Metro Council and became a city councillor in 1997. She went on to federal politics in 2006, serving the riding of Trinity Spadina. This best-selling author of the memoir, My Journey, is the first person of Asian descent to serve as mayor of Toronto and the first mayor of the, of the city since amalgamation. After her remarks, oh, and we also had a very lovely discussion about her involvement in the uh, fight for equal marriage over our lunch table, and I'd also like to just mention her important part in that. After her remarks, the mayor will be joined by Zara Ibrahim, co-founder of Monumental, a social purpose business working to advance equitable city building and urban development. 
Her work focuses on community-led approaches to policy, infrastructure, and service design. Prior to Monumental, she built and led Doblin Canada, Deloitte's human-centered design practice. She's taught at OCAD, MoMA, and is currently an urbanist in residence at the University of Toronto's School of Cities. Mayor Chow, the Canadian Club Toronto podium is yours. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Right now, our city is engaged in a very important conversation and you're a big part of it. Yes, there is a budget. The city's budget is the lifeblood of everything we do. It's being shaped over by our budget team in the last while. It's a result of the hard work of Toronto civil services, including city manager Paul Johnson and our CFO Steve Conforti. The budget committee and of course our budget chief, the amazing councillor Sherry Carroll is here. Please stand for a moment. Don't be shy, you did the work. <laughs> Together with all the councillors that are here, Councillor, yes, I know we were introducing them, you know, one by one, but let's ask all of them to stand up. Council, uh, Deputy Mayor Jennifer McAlfie, Pathy Candeval, Chris Moist, Councillor Burnside, and Alejandra Bravo. Can we get, get all of you up? And Shelley Carroll, thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything you do. Now together through this budget process, we're charting a path to get Toronto back on track after some tough times over the past few years. Budget is all about choices. They define who we are as a city. We see the results every day. Our transit system, our streets, the number of young people who are losing hope for our future here. Our choice show us what we value as a city, who we value as a community. And this time, after inheriting a financial mess, the choice we face are stark. Do we get crushed under the weight of $1.8 billion? Yes, it's $1.8 billion financial pressure. Do we sit by and watch the wait list for the affordable housing continue to spiral out of control? Do we watch our transit system get less reliable and less affordable? Or do we commit ourselves to clean up our financial mess and get our city back on track? Together, we're called to act by our kids, our friends, our neighbors all of us, by our own experience in the city that's gotten tougher to live by over the years. We have to change course towards a more affordable, safe, and caring city. The city that carry in our hearts, our hopes, and our dreams. A city we wish for every time we're stuck waiting for the bus, in traffic, 
just stuck. A city we dream of every time our teeth bang together as we hit that gigantic potholes, not just one, a whole bunch of them, and we curse and we curse. And a city we hope that is there for us when we are in a crisis mode and need a helping hand. A global beacon of hope, of industry, of innovation, of creativity. Our Toronto is a place that's not just a destination, but a challenge that called to us to do better by each other and for each other. That's what we're building together with that staff budget, with the budget committee. And in three days, my budget. Yes, in three days. Yeah, I'm almost ready. You're here to help me get even more ready. Together, we need to get Toronto back on track. And what does it mean? It means to set us up for more financial sustainability. We cannot continue to get deeper and deeper in that financial mess. It means freezing the TDC fares so that when times are tough, we're not making things even harder. It means investing in safety, fire, ambulance, police, and more people on the TTC platform to help you to make it safer, more eyes and ears, and investing in our city's newest emergency services, the Toronto Community Crisis Service, so that the first response when people are facing a mental health crisis is care and follow-up support. It means increasing transit service, increasing in supporting our great industry on economic development. Just last week, we had Amazon in, fi in five studio investing huge amount of confidence and funds in our film industry. And just a few months ago, Unilever have the AI uh, hub for an international hub right here in Toronto. And after years of decay, we need to build. We need to get back to build more affordable housing. And the urgency of our city's housing crisis must be met with the immediacy of our actions. Toronto is a top priority in this budget. This housing we have to build. Why? A child like Ariana, whose family fed the war in uh, Ukraine with just two suitcases and a backpack, coming here for hope and safety and security. But now she has to take three buses to the local food bank or else she goes to bed hungry because her mom can't pay rent and still feed her. And a third of those kids, of, of the people using food bank, are kids. We can't continue to fail kids like Ariana. 
That's why we are making historic, immediate investments in affordable housing, including funding for 1,300 more rent geared to income homes, investing in the acquisition and preservation of affordable housing, investing in the staff and technology to speed up those housing approvals. All of you have heard, it's too slow, Mayor, it's too slow. Get on with it. We are, we will. And thanks to the federal government, we have a huge investment from the new Housing Accelerator Fund right here in Toronto. We, yes, it's worth the, it's half a billion dollars of investment. We're building 25,000 more affordable homes above what the city is already planning. It is a generational transformation, a transformation that Toronto needs. And those one in 10 people in this city who currently rely on food banks, they deserve it. Ariana deserves it. Fixing our financial mess and getting our city back on track is a roadmap to more affordable and safe and caring city. But to do so, it requires tough choices. We worked hard to find savings. To those who said we haven't done enough, well, I have four words for them. Over half a billion. That's how much we save while protecting valuable services. Those are tough choices. It was hard. It was the budget committee and our staff working day and night, several months, to find that savings. Remember, we face a $1.8 billion financial hole. We cannot cut our way out of this mess. We just can't. There's no way to do it cutting deeper, cutting at the bone, hitting the marrow would only accelerate the decline of our transit system. It would damage our ability to provide affordable housing. It would make it harder to service parks, protect people in an emergency, or even just fill the potholes. Yes, potholes. It will continue to decline and damage our city. We can't do that. Fixing the financial mess we inherited will mean an increase of about a dollar a day for the average homeowners. To me, that's pretty modest, less than a dollar a day. That's 9% plus an additional 1.5% from the city building fund, which was started by then Mayor Rob Ford. Remember the Scarborough subway? This is the funds that he put aside in every property tax bill every year. And was continued by Mayor John Tory to build transit and housing. And since last fall, because we're asking people to do something different, I've been, asked, I've been having an extensive dialogue, our team, all of the councillors here, an extensive dialogue with Torontonians about these difficult choices we face. Invest or cut? Pay more or pay less? It's that stark. 
We opened up City Hall and tens of thousands of people told us what matters to them most and how we should pay for them. We heard before the holidays 11,000 people. That's how people are excited and passionate to want to contribute and share their opinions. And I, and I had three nights of recent telephone town halls. 38,000 people participated, called in, and spoke to us, hour and a half every night. And thousands more at local meetings hosted by all the councils in their wards and in deputations in the committee. So if you walk close to one of the councils, you see big bags under the eyes. <laughs> and I'm serious. I'm serious, all of them here. Why? Because they're having long meetings. Yeah, like they're nodding their head. They've been like just, we took the time and the effort to listen, to hear. Because it's their city, it's their budget. And not just to all the local folks. I've listened to the CEOs and heard them loud and clear. Fix the congestion, please. Especially the downtown congestion is hurting our productivity. And in chance encounters on the street, on my bikes, subways, TTC, didn't matter. People have not been shy about giving their own unsolicited advice. <laughs> Last night, after funeral of Mr. Ed Broadband, there was a reception. Even there, someone said loudly, I won't tell them what they said. I said, yes, this is exactly what we're doing. Ask me later, I'll tell you. Okay. And we're hitting the right note because almost all the time when people ask us and give us suggestions that yes, that is exactly what we're doing. Now, in three days, I will present my budget. There's a note in front of you. I'm hearing you. Let us know. I'm still listening. What tax rate makes sense? And I will have more to say on that in the coming days. However, one thing I've heard loud and clear is to not leave people behind, people like Rahat. When Rahat was young, he couldn't invite friends from school to his house. Why? Because he lived in the living room. He slept on the couch. He slept on the couch. He was too embarrassed. And his mom had to keep moving and moving because can't pay rent enough. She ne he never had many friends growing up. So he sank into deep depression when he was a teenager. But he lifted himself up. He lifted himself up. Today, Rahat is a psychiatrist, giving back, helping young people on how to deal with depression. Not many people can lift themselves up like that. And one out of two Torontonians are renters. They're facing huge challenges. They're facing evictions. It's very difficult for them, especially if they have kids. So I am accepting 
the city's budget committee recommendation. I should actually warn you that I'm doing that, but I am. <laughs> you submitted, the city budget committee submitted their recommendation on Friday. Today's only Monday. I thought about it over the weekend. In my upcoming budget, I will reduce the multi-residential tax rate so no renters will pay huge increases. That's what you want. That's what I'm going to do. Yes, because they can't afford to pay more. We're not going to ask them to pay. We're not going to. Budgets are about choices. They're also about people. People like Arana, like Rahat, people like you, leaders like you, who are ready to work together to build a better city. Leaders like our Premier Doug Ford, who saw Toronto's promise and keep seeing Toronto's promise and stepped up to partner with us on the New Deal. So after several decades, we're finally able to upload the Gardner and the DVP, plus investment in housing and TTC. Leaders like our Prime Minister and each and every Toronto members of Parliament who have stepped up time and time again for our city. I'm optimistic they will, once again, when it comes to funding our refugees' shelter services. There are those who say it can't be done. I do not agree. We have the power to shape the city that we want, a more affordable, safe, and caring city, a place where everyone, no matter who they are, where they come from, a place where everyone belongs. That's our shared goal, our shared dream. It's what we've all been hoping for while we're stuck in traffic or trying to get a sip of water from that broken park fountain or waiting for a decade or more for an affordable place to live. Now is the time for us to work together to get Toronto back on track. Thank you all for hosting me at your podium this afternoon. I look forward to the conversation with Sarah next. And please, sharpen your pencil pen or your iPhone. Send in those questions. Send in those suggestions. A few more days till I launch the budget. Thank you for joining me here today. Well, thank you so much, Mayor Chow, and welcome, everyone. This is, um, so I have about 10 questions in 20 minutes, so let's get right into it. Um, Five. <laughs> so, Mayor Chow, this is a remarkable moment in the city, as we all know, and you said it, like we're all living it. The underfunding of city services has become legendary. You know, park washrooms whose doors don't open and libraries closed on the days where most families need it, on Sundays, and it kind of feels like you're putting a stake in the ground with this budget and doing what many others, uh, you know, have, have been historically unwilling to do, which is 
invest in our city in this way. And so before we get into some of the choices you're making, I just want to ask the question, what is motivating you to take on a fight this big? Because it is, it is uh, monumental. Monumental. <laughs> <laughs> She's on message. Uh, um, well, I come from a school of thought that you face reality. You can't run away from it. Yeah. If you don't confront it, it will just get worse. I didn't think I would be running for mayor a year ago. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the opportunity came. Yeah. And the reality is we have a financial crisis. Mm -hmm. We also have a housing crisis. And no matter how we cut, mm -hmm. We can't do it. So, yes, I could cut, we could cut TEC service, not invest in housing, keep the library closed on Sundays, or the parks and recreation, the washroom, the fountain, the benches, the potholes. We've heard about potholes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am occasionally a cyclist. I rode my yeah. bike to work today. And they're pretty big. Yeah. And you can't see them sometimes if it's covered by water or rain or, 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 uh, or snow. Yeah. And it could get dangerous. Don't mind me, I'm slightly obsessed with them. Um, it's important that we invest because that's what the city is for. What City Hall is for is a service. Yeah. It's what we need to, for each other. Mm -hmm. So I'm just being very practical. Being practical means just get on with it. Yeah. And yes, it's a substantial increase. Well, semi-modest still. A dollar a day is not that bad, but percentage-wise, it's sounds big. Um, it, it's, it's those stories of Rahat and Ariana that drives me, yeah. that reminds me the city is for them also, and they need us most. Well, and, and I mean, you've heard, you said, you know, upwards, I guess, of over 40,000 people now have engaged in the conversation. You've heard these stories, and you know, you talked about that $1.8 billion hole that we are in, and we're balancing that with this overwhelming need for affordability right now. And so, I, I'm trying, to, I looked around the room earlier, the person who told me this, I, I wanna see if they're here, but someone once told me that strategy is about making choices. Strategy. And strategy is about making choices. Yes. And you talked a lot about choices, and you're building a strategy for the city. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of the major choices you're making in this budget. And let's start with, we'll start with housing. Um, you know, since you've taken office, the housing file has been your priority. You put out a bold housing plan that passed in record time. So tell us more about, and especially because, you know, we know that the city can do a lot with this incredible budget, but we also know that we need to do a lot through partnerships in this city. So let's map out, because we have a room full of eager collaborators and partners in, in this room, what are some of the biggest challenges to bringing this, this housing plan to life? Number one is confidence. confidence. Confidence that the city will get the approval done faster. Okay, if your process is slow, time means money. Some of you that are in the development industry, you're nodding. <laughs> so for me, 
That's important, having confidence of the industry because they need to build. Also, partnership, as you said, and the city cannot build it alone. So we asked the federal and the provincial government to help them. Both stepped up. Both the provincial and the federal government have invested, and they have confidence in the city to do this uh, work. I then went to the development industry, had the best or well, the, the big uh, development companies, whether it's if I name one, I'll name all, I better not name them, but the top ones uh, coming together to say, what is it that we can do to make it easier for you to uh, build? And we've had several meetings and there will be more so that we're hearing their voice. I've also have a committee of uh, people that know how to build affordable housing, whether it's cooperatives or nonprofit churches, uh, people that have 10, 20 uh, years, several decades of experience. So I also have incorporated, because right now the city of Toronto have the housing secretariat, we have CreateTO, we have Toronto Housing Corporation. Who is it that is doing the, the development. I've incorporated, not, not structurally, but under one person, the buck stop at one place, a deputy city manager called Jack Sharma. He's in charge of different aspects of the city so that we could all together with one goal, building together. So working both from the inside and working with Provincial, federal partners, development industry, and the nonprofits. Yeah. That's how we're doing it together. And one other thing is talking to those that actually serve the homeless are very mm -hmm. important because you can build supportive housing and build it in a way that doesn't work. Yeah. People will get into the housing and then they get evicted because there's no support service around them mm -hmm. if they have addiction issues or. Uh, other issues that they may have mental health issues, right? So having uh, those kind of voices that often are missed so that when we build mm. and when the private sector build, we actually don't build, we, we, are the, we develop. When the private sector build, using city land sometimes because we've also identified all the city land, and there are a lot of them, that have potential for more density and potential to build. We've identified all of them and laid it out to say, come build now. You know, you're, the direction I wanted to go is actually the direction this wonderful per person, Justin, who had the question about um, applications getting stuck. Where are you out here, Justin? Somewhere. Um, thanks for the question. Um, you know, you're talking about working in partnership with developers, you're talking about leveraging city land, all of these amazing ideas. One of the things that we know to be true is that planning applications get stuck. They get stuck at That's City right. Hall. We hear it from everyone. I know. And we, we have a question, and I had the same question, which is great. So I'm going to say that Justin agrees with you, that Mayor, that Mayor Chow, things get stuck. So how are we going to help those who want to participate, those who want to partner with you, how are we going to help move these applications through City Hall faster? We have a pilot project that's working out well. In circulation of the application, 
often right now takes, oh yes, I know some of you are laughing, months. It's now going to be 10 days or so. I don't think, I think it's, it's less than two weeks. That's fast. That's fast in terms of circulating the application. One stop shop. Okay. We have it happening at the Toronto East York community area, and we want to spread it. Mm -hmm. There are many other uh, techniques that we are using, and we're making everything trans transparent. Mm -hmm. We have a dashboard that shows which application comes in, how long it's taking, where is it at, when will it be done. Because transparency means accountability. If not, it's a big dark hole. You have no idea where it's gone. And when you phone, no one answers the calls. And part of this budget, it's true, part of this budget is investing in more planning staff, frontline planning staff to just get the application through. And the technology we need. You need both. Yeah. So we're doing both. And it's never good enough, I think, because we're always improving. So those of you that have ideas, bring it, bring it. We want to hear it. It's not just developers, not just big developers. Others, whatever size you have, let us know how we can do better. I will just say, you said the planning applications take months, and somewhere in the crowd I heard, years. <laughs> yeah. Just like a, a cry, a cry to accelerate this. Yes. Three site plans, five site plans later, you're still doing site plans. Oh my God, when are we going to get the building permit? Yeah. So anyway, I can go, go into the weeds on this one, but um, <laughs> there are lots of weeds, so, but we're cleaning it up. I meet with our deputy city manager every two weeks. And every two weeks, we have targets. Where are things at? How is it being solved? What are your barriers? And we have a list of recommendations, right? So we're just systematically going through them every two weeks. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm quite obsessed with it. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could nerd out on housing for the next hour, but I'm pretty sure I have seven more minutes. So I'm actually going to move to another strategic choice you're making in this budget, which is transit. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, was telling, I was telling your team uh, yesterday afternoon that I was on the uh, Chicago CTA, their transit. I was on their subway heading home back to Toronto. And I was really appreciating the TTC. Like I was really appreciating, you know, how clean and safe and in contrast to Chicago our TTC is. But it still has such a long way to go to be in service of all Torontonians. But there's something remarkable that we want to acknowledge that you have done in this budget. You and the amazing uh, team of counselors and and the public who've been workshopping. There's something that you've done that others haven't had the foresight to do, which is freeze TTC fare hikes and increase service levels. And so tell us more about, you know, how is, is it possible for us to see an end to service level reductions, which have really plagued the city over the last decade and still continue to grow and invest in the TTC? We have to. There's no choice. You have to invest in public transit or else the congestion would just get worse. So, in the last few months, we've said yes to start designing the Waterfront LRT that unlocks all the portlands, all the land. Yes, it's time. Oh. And
then we are starting to design the Edmonton LRTEs to Scarborough, all of the area. They need it. Yes, Senator. Yes, you know how important transit and how left behind has Scarborough been. And there's promises and promises and promises, and yet it's not there yet. So we've boldly done those two things without the federal and the provincial money yet. But we thought that if we can get the people with us, from the applause, I can tell it's needed. It's been needed for many decades. It's about time we do that LRT in the waterfront, for example, or up in Scarborough. We've also said that we need to build, well, order the, the, street car, uh, the, the subway cars on Bloor Line. We have the new ones. Well, not that new anymore on Young, newer. But the old one, there are some that have been around almost as long as I have been. That's a long time. So we need new subway cars on Bloor Line. So TDC, we're investing. We hired 175 more staff, more eyes on the station, better customer services, more reliable services. Are we there yet? No. But it's at 97% of the pre-pandemic level in terms of service level. So we are investing. We need people to feel confident. They get on the TDC and they can get to work and get to school on time. So we're doing our best and a lot more to do. Well, and it starts to address the ask to relieve congestion that you heard from the community that you were sharing in your speech. Okay, I'm gonna ask two more questions in five minutes. So let's see how this goes. Oh, shorter answer. Um, so recently, you know, I was, it was in a room full of folks from across the country through the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. And we probably had about 30 people in the virtual room and we said, okay, hands up if you've personally been impacted by climate you know, in the last five years, all the hands went up. Keep your hand up as someone you love has been affected by the climate, by a climate shock, a climate stress, hands stayed up. And we just kept going and going, and for the most part, 80% of the people in the room kept their hands up because they've been severely impacted by a climate event all across the country. And so we have this amazing question here, you know, through all of this, the, the, the subtext of housing, of transit, we need to think about climate. So what role does climate change play in this budget? Well, on housing, we can build it so it's sustainable. Less carbon footprint. So you burn less, pay less. We can do that. Mm -hmm. We can invest more, and we are, in having more EV charging station. You're encouraging people to buy electric cars where you're going to charge them. We could do a lot more. And public transit. So our, our greenhouse gas emission comes from two places. Well, majority, transit, transportation, and building. So building, composting, all of that is still not happening in some of the high rises. So building plus transportation, investing in public transit, investing in better buildings are critically important. And renovating, retrofitting a lot of our old homes are also important. Homes that, we, that belong to TCH, for example. Yeah. The Toronto Housing Corporation. Well, so much more to say, but before we close, one of the things I think is so important to leave this specific audience with, this audience who has been engaged in watching you open the dialogue about the budget, 
We have a room full of folks from across sectors, from the business sector, from, from, from a range of different places who want to help. What is your wish list from this room? What, what, can, is, my what wish? is your wish list from people in this room, whether it be partnership, collaboration, you know, great ideas? What, what do you want to see from folks in this room to bring your, some of the aspects of your vision and your budget to life? That's an excellent question. We want you to, all of you, to join us in, and offer your expertise, whether it's in communication, mm -hmm. in development, and I'm looking at some people that are very experienced in development, uh, people that are, we have young students here in university full of ideas, tell us. How can we harness the energy of young people? How can we have young people right now living in places where there's very little access to after-school activities? How do we lift them up and give them hope in those areas that, are, um, that has less services, yeah. less infrastructure, less social infrastructure? How do we do it together? How can we do it in a way that is sustainable and affordable? And I need you come February 14th, hopefully after we pass the budget, to say, okay, we think this is a good idea, or mm, not so sure. Maybe you can tell me before the 14th. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just me, because I'm just one vote. Tell your local counselor what you think about the presentation I just gave to you. Are there ways that we could do better? We have three more days. Plus, after I put, because we live in a democracy, I present my budget. Hopefully it doesn't get changed, or change a little, so that it will pass on the 14th. And tell us, tell your neighbors, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers, and together let's build a city you probably heard it before. More affordable, safer, and caring where everyone belongs. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I will, uh, before, I pass, uh, before I pass the mic back, I will just quickly say that I think on behalf of all Torontonians, I want to pass a thank you along to you, Mayor Chow, and to the amazing group of counselors in this room who have worked really tirelessly for the last number of months, welcoming us into the conversation, welcoming us into the decision-making process about how we want to build our city. Um, and we're you know, wishing you all the luck in the next few days as you get to the first, and we will be making phone calls and getting in touch and, and being supportive of all the great ideas that have come out of the, the collective voice of Toronto. May I just add one little <laughs> story, very quick one. Pathy, which is a Canada, is a new yeah. Councillor just got elected less than a, you know, just a month or two months ago, and he just hosted a budget town hall. It was standing room only. It was yeah. packed. It's unbelievable yeah. the passion people yeah. have in wanting to have a say over their city. And I'm so encouraged with it. So I'll leave you with that thought. Great. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so it's my honour to offer thanks on behalf of the board and the executive of the Canadian Club uh, to Mayor Chow for this timely public address. I'll start by, by thanking Zara for moderating 
a fantastic conversation with the mayor and helping us dive deeper on some of the pressing issues that the city is facing right now. Mayor Chow, for more than 30 years, as a political and community leader for Toronto, you've demonstrated how a special combination of passion and purpose can inform the choices that are required to build a more caring city. The plan that you've outlined today to get this city back on track and take, tackle our unprecedented fiscal challenges is a continuation of that spirit that you've championed throughout your career. I know I speak for everyone in the room today as we wish you well in the coming council meetings and landing the budget. Thank you, Mayor. Before uh, we adjourn and we let you get back to the, the lovely sunshine we see out the windows, I, I do want to highlight two important upcoming events. One, on February 21st, uh, in honor of Black History Month, we'll welcome Leanne Hannaway, the new CEO of the Black Business and Professionals Association. And then in the evening of February 22nd, we'll host uh, a panel featuring stars of the federal conservative movement, including Deputy Leader Melissa Lansman, MP Adam Chambers, in a conversation moderated by Jenny Roth, We'll hope to see you at both of those events. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here today. Thank you very much.